and welcome to Safe and Found, the podcast that discusses anything and everything within the music industry. We are your hosts, Georgina and Taylor. Um, thank you for joining us for another episode of Safe and Sound 2021. Happy New Year and everything. Happy New Year. Um, season two, episode two, um, excluding the Parsi Um Yeah, thank you for joining us today. We are doing a, I think we introduced it towards the end of season one, um, where we thought of like a little series which is about music experiences that have sort of changed our life um well mate, that makes it sound very serious actually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but i think in episode it was episode nine of season one we did uh concerts that changed my life um talking about big moments in music history or whatever that really affected us i suppose mm. really um today we are introducing the albums that changed our life um Gina do you want to go into a little bit more detail yeah I think this is one that we've both been really keen to speak about and as you know if you've been a long time listener of the podcast the whole reason for this podcast is because music is the foundation of our friendship and if you kind of look even just further beyond that like what we're trying to to do I guess with this episode is talk about how then music is the foundation for like our identity our worldview and just kind of track that journey I guess as to you know what led Taylor to being Mr Bait what led to me being oh that's just reminded me of a really good story <laughs> to my weird like amalgamation of weird like my weird music taste as you will see in this episode um but I think we're both really excited to talk about this um I think you know we'll have a bit of nostalgia on this podcast and I'm actually really keen to hear some of Taylor's stories to be honest with you because you know I love Taylor's throwback stories you know if you've listened to yeah. early episodes of like his hearsay and things like that absolute oh. jokes <laughs> so oh, just bringing that one back up <laughs> I just love it I think it's the most funny do you thing. know what do you know what's actually really funny it's <laughs> not really funny saying the hearsay thing so I would have been obviously like six years old when that <laughs> when that came out <laughs> And you know, I said I went to go see Hearsay Live. Yeah. I never owned the album. (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking big things here. So I was like a huge fan, but I never owned the album. So did you actually only know the song Pure and Simple? And The Way to Your Love. And (laughs) they had another song called um, Everybody or something like that. Um, that's like quite a high pressure thing to lie about. Because if someone was like, oh my God, yeah, like I saw them too. And did you see them when they performed this song? And then you'd be like, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so you've got to, give, got to give them credit. Like, it's not like it, this is like a 14 year old getting interrogated. <laughs> true, I, was se- I was six, seven years old. <laughs> no, so but, I was that kid though. Like, I just... <laughs> little fucking stitch. So, uh, okay, tell me what, happened, what was your favourite moment in act three? <laughs> no, I actually promise you, like, that's genuinely what I was like. So, not music related, but I remember in reception, there was a girl <laughs> in my class who, <laughs> she went to Legoland, and I don't know if you've ever been there yet, but you can go to Legoland and you can get this, like, driver's, driver's license. license. Yes. So, this girl brought this driver's license into show and tell, and she was just saying, <laughs> yeah, like, and obviously I've been there as well. And she was saying, I've got a driver's license, I can drive on the road. Roads, da, da, da. and I put my hand up and I was like you know you can't actually drive on the roads <laughs> she was like yes I can yes I can I was like it's not real it's for kids and I'm in reception yeah I was literally like giving this girl like 
a proper piss on her parade. And I got in so much trouble. They're like, Georgina, like, just let people believe the things they want to believe. Bruv, kids. It's not real. (laughs) (laughs) Some kids are, some kids are smart though, you know, like, as in, they just, that, that one step, like, further than you actually think they are. We had it, um, it's, not, it's completely unrelated, but that gave me big um, vibes of like my little niece with like Christmas, <laughs> and she's she's four. Bear in mind, and um, th- m- her mum paid for like a like one of them like doorstop. You can get like doorstop Santas to come around and like say hello to like Aww, kids and stuff like that. That's cute. Yeah, and um, and Isabel was going like afterwards. She's like, "That's not a real elf. That's just a human dressed up as an elf. That's that can't be a, <laughs> that can't be a real elf." And she's like, and she's like. And mummy, I know that's not the real Santa because his beard's too short and stuff like that. And oh she's like, what? and I'm just sitting there being like, she she fully believes it's like, like she fully believes like she was looking at this like little tracker thing over on Christmas Eve, being like, hey, he's over there. I need to get to bed, um, Aww, sort so of thing. Sweet. But like, yeah, some kids are just so clued on, bruv. Like way more than we way more than we give them credit for. I think I was definitely one of those kids because I think just the way that my parents would speak to me. I don't know if you ever see like those videos online where you'd get like the parents who do like the goo goo gaga talk with their kids and then you'd get like the parents who just talk to them like an adult. Because hmm. my parents would like always speak to me at like quite like a normal conversational adult level. I think I was just like really sassy for my age because I was just I was just like talk like I was a teenager and I was literally <laughs> five like <laughs> when I look back at carried video, through your... <laughs> like, honestly if I ever like post videos of me when I'm a kid like I look at myself and I think oh my god like I was such a little terror like <laughs> little brat like little dickhead <laughs> no, I, I, it wasn't even that I was just I was just such like a little cockney like what? like really just sassy like I think I was a pleasant kid, but I was just very like, no, like you're not going to lie about things. Like that's just not how we do things in this yeah. class, unfortunately. <laughs> Step back. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Um, no, I found I found the um. It just made me laugh when I like realized I actually didn't actually own the hearsay thing, and also like, like looking back actually when we sort of said about doing this episode, um, one thing which I noticed is that. I actually wasn't really much of an album person growing up whatsoever. Like, oh, really? Yeah. So I think when I look at everything which I... I think there's a lot of factors that sort of played into... I think the ease of access to albums and stuff like that is completely different to, mm. say, a child growing up now. Not even a child growing up now, but for, for us, it was like... A, that was like a £10 investment or like £12 investment into an artist's full album so to get to get that like i'd get an album for christmas um especially when when my mum and sort of family realized i was actually quite into music i'd get one for christmas um maybe on your christmas list yeah 100 percent. like and i i would usually get like pocket money i remember like when i was like pocket i say pocket is birthday money when i was like eight nine ten and that was obviously a few years into me really enjoying music I would, instead of buying albums, I'd buy, like, I'd, pe- I'd spend, like, £2 on a CD single from, like, Woolworths. Like, I'd get, like, Christina Milian <laughs> or, like, Diffie or something like that for, like, £2. Because I found I'd, I still had the enjoyment of it, but without needing to then financially put in, like, £10 yeah. to, a, to an album of just one artist completely. W- would you get the Now That's What I Call Music CDs? See, I hated them as well. So it was a, it was a, it was, I hated them because I was, like, 
because you'd always get songs in there you don't like. Yeah. And I, like, I don't know why. I was such a little kiss up to the music industry. Um, <laughs> um, I'd always be like, oh, well, they're not going to get any, like, it's not going to make them go to number one. Like, I used to, I don't know if I've ever said it on the podcast um, specifically, but, like, I used to, like, love, like, the charts growing up. Like, <laughs> makes sense with my music taste now. But, um, <laughs> uh, but I, I used to, um, every week, basically, I used to sit every Sunday from, like, four o'clock next to my karaoke radio thing we had this like huge like it's probably like a foot tall or something like that you used to have like cassette players you used to have like a drum kit on the top of it um and I'd sit and listen to the radio to the chart every single week from four o'clock on a Sunday um and basically what I used to do in my house because I used to live with my sister brother and mum and I would make a chart literally I'm such a geek bruv I'd make a chart of where every single song charted that week and I'd get my I'd go around and ask my family members like every Sunday where do you think this song's gonna chart next week or whatever and I'd like mark them it'd be like a little game that's um, sweet actually <laughs> and but I used to do it for years and I'd always stick it up on the pantry door and it'd be like oh well this week you got this many right and this week you got this many right sort of thing what would um, you do if they didn't know the song though I would just assume that they'd know it I don't know why. I like, it'd, just like, it'd just be like a guessing game, isn't it? It's like, yeah, like well, yeah. this, it's like a probability thing. It's like, this song's number three. Do you think it's going to go up or down next week? True, true. So it's just a probability thing. And I'd always have like, because at the at the end of like seven o'clock, they'd always put on the new releases at the end of the, um, yeah. and they'd be like, next week is releases, this song. And I'd always put them in. And then I'd be like, where do you think it's going to go? And they'd just guess based on the art. Because I think back then you could probably guess, like, if someone was like Robbie Williams, you could guess he's going to go into the top five yeah. like, the next week. Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I was a proper little leak. But no, doing this made me realise how little, actually, albums growing up affected my music taste. I think that's so different to now for you. Yeah, whereas now I'm very much more... I think my appreci- I think my appreciation as I've got older for an album has really, really changed. And I, in the albums which I've got here, actually, I've got ones which felt like the album that made me change my view on albums as a body of work mm-hmm. rather than um, just singles. So I think, and even if you think, even if you look back at like all my like top one hundreds or whatever, and I like I said like most of my stuff was throwback stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it, it makes it makes so much sense because they're like singles which accounted to a moment in time whereas now whereas albums I feel like don't have that there's only a few albums here actually which I've got which really hold a measure of time for me yeah yeah no I understand that completely how did how did, how did you like um so I think for me like I don't know if I've ever really spoken about like my kind of family background on the podcast but um I had a bit of like a random upbringing as far as like music taste and just kind of how eccentric my parents are if you ever met my parents you'd, you'd know that um and just kind of growing up like so my parents are from Tottenham and like I, I think just how I saw myself like I, th- I think I was quite a self-aware kid in that you could kind of notice that you were sort of from like a working class background and there was these kind of like elements that I think just growing up that you sort of notice a difference between like you know myself and then maybe like some of my peers in my class and things like that and even just the kind of experiences I had growing up like 
it's funny you mentioned the charts on a Sunday because my only memory of like listening to the charts on a Sunday would be like coming back on the on like a drive home on a Sunday after being in like London for the weekend or like going to go see our friends in like Newport Pagnall we listen to the charts and then we put on like I think it might have been Westwood or like one of those and like my parents would just literally love Tim Westwood. They'd listen to all like the hip hop things, to all the dance things. So for me, like I had quite like a bit of a weird one because it's just sort of like I've maybe tackled mine from like I've looked at my identity and I'm trying to pinpoint the albums that formed it. Yeah. So I'm like working backwards if you get me. Yeah. So yeah, I think um, it ended up ended up being a bit of like a sociological. Uh, study for me in a way where I'm just kind of looking at like elements of class elements of like gender um jeez oh, <laughs> yeah like, I don't know I, I think I got a bit deep with it to be honest with you because I, I feel like I have quite like a complex self-identity like even like say with like my schooling I spent like like beginning half of my education in like a normal state school system and then kind of got thrusted into like the private private school system in like year eight and although I don't really talk about it much that led to quite a a bit of like an identity crisis because like I felt so alien to that world and so I I did find that sort of like clinging to that music that where I definitely found that like a sense of belonging really helped Um, I think I think as well like music at the age of like what so year eight like 12 years old music's such an important thing because again like especially in our age it created and cultivated so and I think it has actually throughout even our parents generations and stuff like that it cultivates subgroups and sort of subcategories that mm-hmm. people and subcultures that people live live in and identify with and visually people would like the people who listen to like when we we're in like year nine would listen to n-dubs would have the dappy hats on but then people who listen to like fallout boy and stuff like that would have the tight skinny yeah. red, red jeans on sort of thing so I completely understand that as well as moving to you're moving from a sub subculture of like a state school, moving to a private school sort of area. That's going to be that's going to be a complete different, um, I don't know, complete different change in what they're going to listen to and what they how they're going to identify themselves. Literally, well. that was like one of the biggest things for me. And and at the time as well, like like bless my mum, she's worked really hard and like she's done really well for herself. But at that time, like I was still <clears> very much like like just I still lived the same way I lived before and after I went to private school so like I just found it like such a weird experience where I don't know like it was again like I don't even really talk about that much but I just remember thinking like oh my god like these girls live in like literal manor houses like and I live in this house type thing and they they were there and they were like really emo really like I don't know they were, they were just into like those grungy Very anti-establishment like, yeah and I was and I would just go there and and also as well what I found really interesting was a lot of girls from that background like from what I knew of them like if they had quite like a chilled life obviously no one knows what goes on behind closed doors but they would actively try and paint the picture of trauma that had gone on in their lives because I think their lives were so chill a lot of the time that they would like either like actively seek out experiences or like listen to music that was just kind of like, oh, like, woe is me. Almost in the same way that we kind of have like emo rap and that now, like a lot of that 
kind of comes from like your panic at the discos and like fallout <laughs> boy and and like even like bullet for my valentine or all these kind of like bands from ba- bands from back then it's like I, I was just really perplexed because I'd go into school and then all these people would just be like, oh my God. And I was just like, <laughs> I don't get it. Like your lives are, your lives are so chill. Like you have no idea, like some of the shit that like we go through, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but like, it kind of meant as well that I think part of the reason, and I, we spoke about the sort of psychology of this in one of the other episodes. I think part of the reason why I now kind of like, like that music that, um comes from a place of pain is probably influenced by those girls at private school <laughs> funnily yeah. enough um because it probably got me into some music that was maybe a bit more self-expressive in that way because probably prior to that um like the the albums i've listed anyway um there are more like voice and opinions on like the establishment like the way things are or just kind of like personal relationships like oh your mom your sister or like your mates whatever whereas yeah. stuff like i know blink 182 a lot of it kind of like folk say like adam song whatever like a lot of it would focus on like mental health and that was like quite a new thing for yeah yes um but yeah I, I what what is one what what is one of the, the earliest ones that you remember that you feel feels like formative to you album wise um i'd say the one of the big ones for me is probably um original pirate material by the streets really yeah like ge- genuinely like i'm actually a proper proper big fan of the streets like yeah. i think back then i didn't have like the the vocab to kind of articulate um <coughs> like i said i'm talking about class I, I didn't really like have the vocab to kind of articulate that I liked listening to this kind of music because it felt familiar to me and it ju- and it just reminded me of my dad like the kind of like short checkered shirts the Stella like uh, <laughs> that kind come of on like, me, yeah like literally like that kind of um that kind of vibe it just it felt proper familiar to me and obviously like my parents like loved it whatever and I think songs like has it come to this and like less let's push things forward which has a bit of like a scar sound mm. to it um I think but a lot a lot of the streets like sound is influenced by that sort of scar yeah. reggae yeah um and so that was probably one of my more formative albums and i think as well i just like i love the whole concept um because i don't think i actually said it on the podcast but we definitely did it on one of the instagram posts so i was saying how um like we back in the day we used to listen to pirate radio like yeah. me and my family and there was one time when um my parents were in amsterdam on holiday and my nan was looking after my brother and i and my cousin um in tottenham she was like oh like tune into this pirate radio rah 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 so bear in mind my nan at this point i don't know she's maybe in her like late 50s early 60s um she's like oh, okay like turn on the radio or georgina so i'm like oh, okay <laughs> turned it on um and so they were just doing like a joke and I ended up like telling a joke in this pirate radio and then like requesting songs. And because I told the best joke of the night, um, I got to request a song and my nan requested Senorita by Justin Timberlake. And she was like to the radio host, uh, what's that song now? The one that goes, uh, hello, gentlemen, good evening, ladies. <laughs> it, was just like, it was just jokes. And so I have all these like, really happy memories associated with listening to um 
to like pirate radio and just radio in general and I think um as I've mentioned before in this podcast bare times like I proper fell out of love with radio for a long time mainly due to the school run um <laughs> but like that album for me was definitely formative and just brings back like a lot of happy memories and and whatnot and then I also think um to kind of jump off of that album um one that's kind of not like I think it's a bit of it's funny that I say a bit like a cult classic because like one of uh, the street's famous lines is like cult classic, not bestseller, but um, it's an album called Council of State of Mind by Skinny Man. And I remember a lot of like car journeys with my parents because literally every weekend like, I'd go out in the car with my parents, we'd always be driving to London or to like family friends. And it's like the first time that like, I ever heard skits on an album because in this album they he's they're talking I think the guy I haven't listened to it in a long while but it's like this kid's just like a delinquent like he's just proper naughty like basically you like you're told you got to amount to nothing and I was just kind of like oh my god and it's funny you mentioned about like albums becoming like an actual piece of work rather than just yeah. a collection of singles I think that's the first time I really thought of an album in that way and as I've said before like just having something that felt quite close to home in like just terms of speech the things like I'd hear and even I'd say like it was really interesting and I think just to kind of close off that kind of grouping of albums because what I've tried to do is just kind of group them according to like genres or how they made me feel um around a similar time to that. So I think those albums were uh, brought out in 2002 and 2004, respectively. Um, and around in 2003, that's when um, Dizzy Rascal released Boy in the Corner. Mm. Um, and that, and I think that's the only real like grime album I have on this list. Um, but for me, <clears throat> it's just kind of like the perfect album to, to describe like, albums that changed my life because Obviously, you have the kind of like white working class perspective with Skinny Man yeah. and the streets, and obviously they're from like Brum and Leeds, and so Dizzy Rascal, like he's from London, and so this felt even like closer to home, but also gave me like insight to a world that I didn't know, and yeah, I think even just down to the beats, like as the first time I'd ever really heard anything like that, uh, I think like a good example of that is probably the song Jezebel. Yeah, you have these kind of like, dun, 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 dun. and it's hard to explain it yet. But like, I, I mean, I don't know like what your memory's like of that time. You must have been like seven or eight years old. Um, but I think even just like the kind of like tone of that beat, like it almost sounds like out of tune, yeah. and it's almost like a little bit like, like when that beat plays, you can almost imagine just sort of someone kind of like. I, I always get the, I get the vibe of like um, you know that's one of them old phones like a landline phone where you'd be like beep 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 just trying to mm. dial in that sort of there's just that offness about it but it's like yeah. a familiarity but an offness yeah and in in a way that beat kind of like I don't know like you you know how sometimes like music can kind of um like encapsulate a feeling I feel like just that beat is almost like an anxious beat mm. like, and and it's hard to explain it yeah but like that's just kind of how I felt that's what that time f like felt like 
in London and just kind of in the UK, it was kind of like that weird stage where like a new genre was coming out and you have all the kind of like inner city struggles and I don't know, just like this kind of subculture Mm. that hadn't really yet been put on a national stage really or, or achieved that level of acclaim yet. Um, and so I think those three albums for me were probably the most like distinct in my memory for forming my music taste, but over to you. <laughs> oh my God. We've got such parallels. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> oh gosh. Um, <laughs> so I think um, again, like my relationship with music um very much came from again i think it's like a lot of people especially people who like love music growing up they get that from their parents Mm -hmm. um which i think is a pretty pretty obvious thing to say um and obviously i grew up in a single parent household um with just my mum um brother sister and i think my mum's influence on music and also to be honest um a lot of subject matter when i actually look back and listen to um a lot of the songs that remind me of that time at least growing up and stuff like that um so she my mum used to listen to like so again and again this is i think going back to my point about albums rather than their singles rather than albums Mm. i don't i I couldn't recall like a time where my mum would listen to like albums say for example i think we'd would listen to um like the radio or stuff like that and it'd be a sort of certain or like the, again we, I had a real a real relationship with like music channels growing up um <clears throat> and my mum used to listen to like Whitney Houston uh Gabrielle Macy Gray All Saints all the stuff like um that you know like that Lisa Stanford like being around the world and I yeah yeah, yeah. just all these sort really? of like proper uh, well a lot of like black talent as well I suppose mm. but it's it's very much in that sort of r&b neo soul sort of what sort of vibe there's an artist called desiree um love her. I love yeah her. and there's a, and i think for me like i can't really listen i can't listen to a lot of that sort of stuff without getting obviously because i've i've got such an emotional attachment to it mm-hmm. um and my mum basically when i was uh but obviously before um any of us were born um, I think when she was about 16, she moved over to Spain with my nan and granddad. And she lived over there for like about, thir- uh, I was about to say 13, I don't know if it's like 13 or 16 years, something like that. Oh, wow. So she lived around there for like, she lived in Spain for a long time. So she, um, I think, I don't, don't get me wrong, I don't, it wasn't like she lived in like rural Spain. I think she lived in like, I'm pretty sure she lived in like Mallorca, like Magaluf or something like that, which is why I'm <laughs> Magaluf. Um, but um, that, like her love for like that sort of music like the spanish sort of latin sort of vibe then really trans because i remember there's um uh like i remember a list like song wise there's like um the maria maria song by carlos santana yeah um and she'd just like she'd be like oh, i love that and then she'd just sort of start dancing a little bit to it whenever oh. it come on um and one of the artists that kind of linked to that sort of Spanish sort of vibe but not really but I just remember having a real sort of um appreciation for it was the Christina Aguilera stripped album in 2002 um I remember getting it for Christmas 
so I must have been like seven or something like that. Um, and again, I feel like all the albums and stuff like that, which which I'd get bought, were kind of just because my mum wanted them and she wanted a reason <laughs> to buy them. Um, but I think for me, like, there's a song on it called um, Infatuation, um, which um, she kind of sort of dips it in and out. It's a bit like Spanish. She dips, she has a little bit of um, Spanish in it and stuff. And, um, but I think like, just from like what I remember my mum's and what I've been told at least about my mum's sort of um, like relationships and stuff like that growing up is that like, she's a very loving person, but she would, and I think it very similar to how I am as a person, like, I fully love and I get like quite all in and, but from where you have that sort of attitude, you get hurt quite a bit. And I think um, a lot of the music that my mum used to listen to and resonate with were quite, a lot of it was a quite a lot of heartbreak stuff mm. kind of masked in a different way and it's a feeling and like a lot of the music she listened to would be quite uplifting about like even like going back to like Macy Gray like I Try was one of her favorite songs and it's it's just that there's that real like heartbreak message in all the the music that's sort of just been crowded around something else yeah. but um, but yeah I think Stripped was the that the album was one of the first ones that I remember listening to that wasn't like a pop like a, a, I mean she is a huge pop star I suppose actually but like it felt like I I made that disconnect between the Christina Aguilera which was like genie in the bottle to yeah to this one it felt quite a lot more I think I remember listening to it and like the album cover where she's like topless and stuff like that it felt so mature from for me at that time and I remember listening to being like oh like I'm allowed to listen to mm-hmm. an album like this I don't know um but I think I've got like it's it, I don't know it's just it's the strong mental and like even listen to the Spanish uh, inspiration on it now like it just gives me them sort of vibe I don't know um, and like beautiful as well by Chris Aguilera which is probably one of her most like famous songs has got I've just got like a really special relationship um, I think I've mentioned beforehand like <laughs> um, are you, did I have I mentioned that I used to sing growing up on the podcast i don't know if i have or not if i ever haven't then... i've only ever heard it like you did it in assembly but... yeah well yeah in assembly and stuff like that but like i <laughs> i um i backed myself i actually think i did used to be able to sing growing up or whatever but um me and my sister used to always put on like little talent shows and stuff like that like we'd make little um <laughs> little leaflets with like songs we'd perform and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, I'm really giving myself like most of my back. I'm laughing because I literally would do the same with my friend Jessica from Tottenham. Like, and, we'd, and we'd literally say, like, the show starts at 4 pm, like, and we'd assign the seats, everything. So yeah. I'm just like, is this like a thing that all kids did? Or like, are they, we just tapped? Like, I think they must be. I think they must be. As I said, like, Isabel, but Isabel's very, Isabel, my yeah. niece, very similar. She'll be like, she'll be like, I'm gonna sing a song now, so everyone sit down. Everyone, <laughs> so I do. It's I don't just think... in our blood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking annoying little showmans. <laughs> um, Sorry, continue. continue. <laughs> no, but like, um, like again, even this, like, my mum used to love that song, and um, and it just kind of really, I don't know. I've I've only been able to listen to that song very very recently, um without getting too madly upset about it. Um, and I could actually appreciate the sort of artistry and the sort of the sort of beautifulness of the lyrics and stuff like that. Um, 
And then again, uh, again, I think as well, the reason why it's probably in the forefront of my mind currently is because it was one of the ones which I completely forgot about for such a long time. And then I listened back to it. I think I, I heard like Can't Hold Us Down on a playlist. And I just remember, I was like, this song used to bang, you know. Yeah. Um, and again, also that song was very ahead of its time with the yeah. content and stuff of it. Um, I love the music video. I used to think like she has such a sick outfit on. I used to love her with the, the brunette hair. I didn't like her with the brunette hair, you know. Did you not? No, I didn't like it. I, I was you like, like, I was like the, oh, you liked I her like, in the dirty video. <laughs> yeah, basically, I was a little creep when I was like seven years old. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, oh, <laughs> got to get dirty. <laughs> got to bub out. <laughs> um, I just thought I thought that was visually like just a sit. I I think again that was one of the ones where, um, late probably go is a different, complete different conversation. But my appreciation for music artists and how they like reinvent themselves and stuff like that that was the first moment in my childhood where I'd grown up living through an artist that kind of did a drastic change that I was actually quite close to if that makes sense yeah um so yeah it probably holds quite a special thing but I don't know it's just probably I think a lot of my choices end up going especially my early choices go back to like my mum's sort of I don't know guidance I suppose um, yeah, 100%. and yeah but then should i go to i'll go to my second one is like le- there's less to say <laughs> there's less to say oh about God, it. i want to hear it i want to hear it's, it it's probably a little bit later on as well and again as i said like when i think it's one of the only album albums i can think of where i can i can remember listening to it from start to finish and appreciating that it's an album if that makes sense um I just feel I always feel like I no matter what I do like the baitness in me just lives through and through <laughs> like <laughs> there's, there's literally nothing I could do I can't even I was trying to think of like some really obscure album that I had <laughs> which, which was formative for me and there just isn't um I, when you say that I just always think of like what's, what's that Michael Jackson song where it's like the force is it's got a lot of power and it makes me feel like it makes like, me feel like doo, doo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you cut into like a bait something. <laughs> the force just taken over. Literally is. Um, but my one of the albums, which um, and again, and, and to be honest, I made the I made the um, actual the album, which I'm uh, gonna say is like is very similar in the sense of for the for that artist it was a very transformative album for that artist. But it was actually Good Girl Gone Bad by Rihanna, um, which feels like quite a modern one to have. But um, I remember again. I was I lived a broke life, like we we didn't have money growing up, sort of thing. So um, I remember renting out from the library for a pound. Um, little, oh, I was a little. Uh, that's actually a proper throwback. Like, yeah. wow. <laughs> um, I rented out for an for a pound for the album for the album you get it for a week, um, but we just got Did you burn it. Like, yeah, we just yeah. got a, we just got a. a um, a computer by that point so like we'd oh, we'd only just got wi- i remember we only just got wi-fi or no broad Di- not wi-fi, dial-up, broadband dial-up, yeah. Bro- it was broadband yeah we just got broadband in like 2007 <laughs> um <laughs> and um and yeah it'd be that album i remember listening one time in lebworth me and because that's where i used to live I don't know if, is that too much information to give out? Nah. No. <laughs> just to let everyone... Now, like, hacking into the mainframe. <laughs> just yeah, like, the mainframe. national ID, everything. <laughs> um, but we used to live in Nedworth and my brother used to play football um, at the Big Wreck. And I remember one time, like, me and my mum were waiting in the car for him 
and I don't know if he was at training or something like that, but we listened to the whole album um, from start to finish. And that was probably, I think that was maybe like 2007-ish. It was quite, it was, I think it was just, it must have been just a few months before she passed away or whatever. But it's like one of the last ones, which I really remember like listening and sitting and like just sort of sitting in the car and like singing with my mum and just getting a bit like, I don't know. And I think mm-hmm. it's one of them albums, like it's not the the singles. For, and again, it, I did, I hadn't listened to it for such a long time just because I think in my head I'd came to the conclusion that Rihanna wasn't an album artist and she was just sort of a single person. And I think I never then went back to listen to her stuff. Um, but when I then re-listened to it, I just got taken back to a complete different time. And I remember my mum really list, like like the song Rehab off of it, which again, mm. makes sense. A lot of pain and stuff like <laughs> A lot of pain and suffering in the song. Um, and I don't know, but when I actually listened back to the album, I listened back to it a few few weeks ago and there's just so many songs on it, like um, like Breaking Dishes and Push mm-hmm. Upon Me, which have got a complete different vibe. It's got like a lot of like 80 synthy sounds and I don't know, it's just, it's, just, it's actually just quite good music. Um, I like Hate That I Love You is probably one of my favourite songs because of course it's like neo which is <laughs> circa 2000 the mid 2000s of course i'm gonna love it um but that i don't know i just bag. That, is, your that bag. is my bag but and hate that i love you is the epitome of that genre um, <laughs> yeah 100%. but yeah i don't know just for me that that's where i really i don't know that that sort of album um was just one which i just remember growing up to, maybe to, that's like a very teetering childhood to teenager sort of mm-hmm. um thing there wasn't any resonance or anything like that to it like it's not like it stands a te- like it's not anywhere near as emotionally um singed into my brain than the sort of christian aguilera one but um yeah the only other albums very top line which i remember receiving as a, again receiving as a kid were like um eye candy by mystique <laughs> what a fucking album yeah. oh my god i so um, wish i wrote that down because I used to bang that all the time. Yeah, I think we. I think me and my siblings all signed up to the Mystique fan club, which is fun facts. Really? Yeah. That's Off, true. Because Alicia Dixon's mum lived in like Welling or something like that. Or yeah, one of them actually ends up living in Fairfield Park. When probably I... Alicia Dixon, probably. No, I think it was uh, one of the other members, but I remember just think like Sabrina? I think I think you're right. But um, like. I remember hearing that and I was just, I think there's always that kind of excitement when you hear someone's like a talent close to home. Mm, Do you know what yeah. I mean? You just think like, in a way, like you feel like you have this kind of like common ground with them. Do you, do you, <laughs> remember, do you remember Project XXX? Um, as in the film? <laughs> no. I can't remember if you were still living locally at that point or if you'd moved to Bedford, but <laughs> we were like, um, it, was, it must have been like, 17 yeah because one of our friends had just passed the test passed the test or whatever there's a house party in Wellin um because the film's <laughs> called project x but there's a house yeah. party in Wellin called project I, I, I didn't go but i heard about it <laughs> and, and like it was like the weird there was literally like someone's like some rich person's house and there's just so many people there but i remember like um 
uh, I remember there's like rumours that Alicia Dixon turned up to the party <laughs> and there's like photos of her at this party and stuff like that because it was literally one of the ones where like loads of people came and there's like fo- like apparently like, all these chickens broke loose and they're like running around <laughs> the garden and in the house and stuff like that um, but it's that's like one of my fondest like that is one of my favourite memories of like turning like I was like 16 <laughs> at that point and like we we just got the freedom to of like a car because my friend Emma drove and um Oh, mate, it's quality. It's so that's, good. That's, that's actually hilarious. And I actually think I heard about that. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, that's like, it's unlocked this like proper obscure memory in my brain. Bro, yeah, it's it's like folklore. Like Alicia Dixon, <laughs> well a well house party and Alicia Dixon was there. <laughs> so fucking funny. That is jokes. That is proper funny. Um, but yeah, like that was like one of the albums which I remember. Um, again, Alicia Keys' "Songs in a Minor." I remember my uncle lending to my mum, and my mum was like, "Oh, I love this. She's she's great." It was just when she released "Falling," I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's the same album. Um, and yeah, and she was like, "I just love that song. It's so beautiful." The the um, so yeah, that was that's that was my sort of thing. But you can, I think you can tell just with like Christina Aguilera, Alicia Keys like mystique and stuff like that where my music taste has then eventually led you to led me to and like how it, <laughs> how it's formed I love that I mean I was just thinking there like as you were speaking about how these first choices we've made they've all been like well we haven't actively sought them out ourselves no. really like they've been kind of thrust upon us and we've just kind of absorbed it into our music taste Mm. and then so the question I wanted to ask was like obviously you said you went to the the library and got out good girl gone bad but do you remember like any other albums that you like actively sought out and you were like yes and it was more off the back of your own taste because there's probably more towards like into your teenage years but the reason I asked is because I kind of separated those albums as well because I was like okay obviously I'd have those albums like Dizzy Rascal, Skinny Man, whatever, that my parents were the ones playing. And then where I really found like myself for the first time seeking out albums, they tend to be more down like the R&B, mm. hip hop vibe. So I'm just, I'll just list off the albums quickly so you can see like what I'm talking about. So I've got Chris Brown exclusive mm-hmm. uh, that, album for me is just I just love that album so much such nostalgic vibes it just reminds me of being in like New York and stuff um in like the the late to mid 2000s and I just love Take You Down I I know I've mentioned before like seeing Chris Brown in concert um before his fall um from Great Heights and it was just I don't know it was just an experience then as well like say with so i've got usher here i stand and mm. that might be a bit of a random usher album to have is that the one with like um, moving mountains and loving this club yes but what now and trading places yes oh. Love it. Love it. oh mate trading places is by far one of his best songs now yeah. i don't think i i can appreciate it doesn't because it's not like an immediate iconic it's not the it's not that it's not confessions do you know what i mean like it's not yes. the album it's not like confession it's not like um what's it called 8701 or yeah and and I think that's literally what I was gonna say like it's not one of the more obvious Usher albums and it's kind of like oh like it may get forgotten amongst the the pile of his work but as you know we were just saying like 
that's probably the first Usher album that I actively sought out myself. Yeah. I was like, cool, I need I need this on my iPod Nano. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just loved it. And I just have, like, really clear memories of, like, being in Spain on holiday um, and listening to songs like Appetite, Moving Mountains. Um, and I think for the first time, actually getting quite, like, emotionally, not, not obviously Appetite because that's a sexual song, but, um, but moving, <laughs> moving Mountains. I remember listening to, to Moving Mountains again um, when I moved in with my uncle. <laughs> yeah. um, and he was, he was a prick, bruv. He, like, he used to make me, um, like on a Saturday afternoon when all my friends would be out to earn my pocket money, I'd have to like rake the gar- like rake the apples <laughs> in, his, in, his, in his orchard. He's a prick, bruv. Um, and so I'd like, always miss out on things, but I'd get like five pound pocket money for it. But um, I'd have to like beg my cousin, because my cousin had an iPod, um, an iPod Nano or the, the little pink ones, whatever. Yeah. I think she actually, to be honest, I think she might even have, no, she had one which you could see the screen because I remember being like, this was money. Um, <laughs> and I had like some, I had a shitty little MP3 player which had like 30 songs in it, but she had like this iPod Nano with like a hundred songs in it. And I remember um, moving mountains, like play, it's like moving mountains, like raking the, <laughs> raking the apples and just singing along to that. I'm You're so sorry, I'm living the metaphor right now. It. <laughs> 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 it's like I remember like raking the apples, thinking that like, it's like a fucking music video. <laughs> <laughs> that's joking. That, that's my Cinderella moment. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. And, and I think as uh, just to add on to that kind of list as well, I've got listed down here: Outcast, Stankonia. Um, and like the highlight of that album uh, for me was So Fresh, So Clean, which I think is probably one of those songs that still sounds literally so fresh, pardon the pun, mm-hmm. to this day. And like I, th- I think it's got like um, Miss Jackson and songs like that on there. Yeah. And that was just like, again, one of the first times I'm just kind of like really experimenting with my taste. And I think like listening to Outcast then led me on to... Um, kind of like discovering NERD. Um, mm. I really like that album In Search Of. Um, we've got songs like Lap Dance and I think Rockstar mm-hmm. as well, which are quite like rock. Yeah. Um, but the, the reason I really liked NERD so much is obviously because like um, I discovered like Pharrell through them. And the reason why it was so like formative for me is because that discovery then kind of like not only inform my music taste, but then also like my taste in in clothing and fashion. So like some of the brands that like Pharrell has either like had a part in or would like be very, like he'd be seen in it and it would just become like... Forgive me if I'm wrong. Is that like Bape and stuff? Was that Bape? Yeah. Yeah. So you'd have like your Billionaire Boys Club, your Bape, Ice Cream. And in sort of year seven, year eight, year nine, that was the kind of, because I travelled to America. It was fucking cool. Yeah, like, like, looking back, like, there's literally pictures of me in, like, year nine, like, being their boys club on, and I was such a little tomboy, and I remember just feeling so annoyed, like, when this whole kind of, like, streetwear thing really blew up, I remember me and my brother were just so annoyed, because, like, we just had this weird, like, claim to ownership over it when we just didn't have the place to like had absolutely <laughs> no right um but I just remember thinking like oh my god like I've literally been dressing like a tomboy for the longest time like I'm really into my streetwear um <laughs> absolutely abysmal um but I think that was the first time for me at least that I really saw that kind of 
interconnection, I guess, if that's even a word, or interconnectivity between like music and fashion, where the two were quite like interchangeable. Um, So that was a complete tangent. But my question was like, other than Good Girl Gone Bad, what were the other like main albums that you actively sought out and maybe had that kind of same impact on you? Do you know what? I think that's actually, it's quite a hard one to answer for me in the sense of, again, I generally don't think the album thing really hit, like me starting enjoying albums and stuff like that didn't really hit home until I was at least like 15, 16 maybe, which is quite, which is reasonably quite late. Um, In the sense of like, because obviously, um, not that I would have done, but I mean, hypothetically, if I were to have used things like LimeWire and stuff like that, um, (laughs) like hypothetically, I would have... I would have probably hypothetically downloaded singles. Um, and again, I'd like... In a parallel universe. In a parallel universe, completely unrelated. The problematic version of me would have done that. Um, <laughs> and, I'd, and I'd download like um, singles, like a certain songs. One album, and it's actually quite kind of weird that you are. So I think the only one which I've got written down, which could kind of fall into that category, um, is Tiny Temper Discovery. Okay, uh, interesting choice. Because... I remember, again, I was like, I'd heard of Tiny Temper with the Tears song um, like a few years before. And so I I knew of Tiny Temper, but then it was like, I think he was one of the first ones in that sort of wave, at least, where he got signed to a big deal and then he had like an album sort of made. So it was was a bit like, he's going to be a big next thing. I remember um, hearing like Pass Out and just being like, this is sick like the mm. I just remember being like I was like nah this is actually and his wordplay and his and his penmanship on on that sort of something like one thing which I think I maybe started getting into rap music around 2008 2009 probably um but again I loved the the rappers which I started listening to which I liked were people like um like Lil Wayne um Eminem no, I didn't. I didn't like Eminem actually. To be fair, but to be honest, it was the song, the song which I actively remember where I was like, actually, nah, do you know what I love is it? like "Forever" by Drake, because yeah. just people's wordplay on it and stuff like that. I was just like, this is so clever, and I was really uh, English was the one subject which I just I loved gr- uh, growing up at school, um, and I loved the way that they used like cadence and and just different parts of their sort of they could say so many things just they could say completely different things with like double entendres and all that sort of stuff. Like, again, I didn't know what that was back then, but I'm sort of looking um, at self back. And I think like Ty Temper is like one of them artists in the UK who, especially on things like Pass Out and Frisky, um, um, would be able to do that. And um, I remember Written in the Stars as well um, was you, I think Written in the Stars was used as like some sort of promo for some wrestling thing as well. So I loved that, of course. Um, there's a song called Wonder Man, which had like Ellie Goulding on it as well. Oh, um, I remember that song. And it was, I don't know what it was. It was the, is the samples and it was just the whole production of it. Um, I think, again, that's like UK rap, but in a sort of very Americanized way, mm-hmm. again, which is something which I would have, <clears throat> the sort of production style was very similar to the things which I would have listened to growing up in the sense of, um, with all the sampling and et cetera. Yeah. Um, it, probably, it probably made that gap actually. Yeah, like, he... bridge the gap between some of your earlier taste and, and then also yeah. that leading to like UK artists. Yeah, and then I think um, off the back of that, I really liked. I can't remember. I couldn't tell you the name of the album. I want to say it's called Transition by Chip. 
or Chipmunk. Is it called Transition? Is it the album which had Champion on it. Um, I actually don't know. I can't remember the name of it, but um, I remember listening to that out, and that was the first time I'd start listening to people's like full albums. Um, and then <clears throat> a really fucking rogue one, but it's not really rogue when I think about it, but it probably does compare to everything else, which I've just just said, um, is No More Idols by Chase's Status. So... Um, See, I don't think it's rogue because I know you yeah. well. Whereas I think for maybe listeners who don't know you in person or like have maybe not known you in your teen years, that'd be kind of like a, huh? <laughs> yeah. Like, so my sister is someone who really formed this for me. Like, so growing up, I remember um, it would have been, I was in, was I in year six maybe? Um, but she would listen to um, Original Nutter. Mm-hmm. Um, and she'd play it on her, like, her, on her little fucking stereo sort of thing, like so loudly. But it was like, and I used to, and I honestly used to hate it because she'd play it so much. And I would, <laughs> like, I fucking hate it so much. And she'd play drum and bass like so much. Um, again, she went to like some sort of road Stevenage school. So she probably got influenced by like <laughs> the boys and stuff like that. She was trying to impress with all that sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> but then that sort of then. Ouch. <laughs> I, I mean, not being funny, everyone, every eight, like 12, 13 year old girl would be trying to, like, in Stevenage at least, probably trying to. No, I was thinking, like, just me, with me, like, I am just so, like, I, I really, like, march the sound of my own drum. So I'd yeah. be like, no, I I am the one that makes a taste here. Like, yeah, but she, she I, I think it's probably just like, just at her, she's probably like, oh, well, they like it, so I like it. And she, like, basically, herself- you're, you're calling your sister a pick me. <laughs> <laughs> back then <laughs> maybe back then. Um, but yeah I think I think then I just got so much more aware of it and the sort of atmosphere and stuff like that which the music can can create and I saw them live in 2012 off the Norm- No More Idols album and again very similar like it's around the time of like Tiny Temper and stuff like that Hit, there's a song called Hits on that um and it's like, she called me chauvinistic, but she can't even spell it or something like that. There's like a line in that. And I just remember hearing that being like, fucking hell, that's sick. Oh, using that as my like, status. Yeah. And I just, oh, mate, I fucking loved it. And um, again, there's like um, Heavy with Dizzy Rascal on that. Um, no Problem, which is the opening track on it. And I remember seeing I that. I love that song so like, much. Hey, like, what the, I got with the floor. Um, I remember like just f- listening to that. And it, for me, that was like, especially like um it's like mixing sort of like that had like a little bit of dancehall but then also drum and bass and then it had like just there's so many there were so many levels to it they've got songs like time with delilah and and credits with plan b which again was very emotional stuff but then it's the atmosphere and the production that's created around it but then also with actually quite lovely lyrics to, to yeah them. um and yeah i don't know i just think that was one of the albums for me like i I would go through really weird phases. Like there'd be one really random artist. Like I remember I loved like two door cinema club at one point and um, kids in glass houses and just, there's some really random uh, like artists, but Chase status for me is, is one. And that album has stood the test of time for me in the sense of, I can listen back to it. I can listen to it now when I'm like running and stuff like that. And it's calm. But I also remember listening to that as an album in complete, 
I think I had most of the songs if I was hypothetically downloading it from somewhere else. I think there's like one or two songs I couldn't get properly, yeah. <laughs> hypothetically. This is like such a shit analogy, but it's like all I can think of in my head right now that you're talking about it. Like with that album, like you know when you go to the airport, yeah, and you put your luggage um, to like be taken onto the plane and then yeah. you, know, you know you see the behind the scenes, like I'm getting this image, you know, like in Toy Story, it might be like the second one where they're at the airport and then all that like, kind of luggage is going on these different like... Um, yeah. like conveyor belts in like and it's huge it's enormous and it's like it's going all these different directions i feel like those songs like it's, it's quite a weird album because it doesn't have like a clear path like the songs are kind of all chopping and changing in different ways and yeah. they're, they're all taking you to different places like it's, it's funny you mentioned like end credits and then like heavy like mm-hmm. they're all such different sounds and feels that for an album that takes you on so many different final destinations it is weirdly cohesive like yeah, all end up in the same place but they're all the kind of inner workings there's so many different like cogs in mm. the world you get me yeah and i think i think as well like for me it, that was an album which um and then especially a concert as well which really switched my view on how i appreciate music in like a live venue scenario yeah. and yeah. So for me, that I think that holds quite important as well because I remember list, then listening back to the album and enjoying it so much more because I remember seeing it live. Um, so yeah, that's probably my... They're the ones which I feel like I actively remember seeking out and um, like actively downloading. Yeah. Hypothetically. Yeah, I think as well, just um, I guess to, to move on to the next point, is um i mean the the great thing about i think listening to music in your childhood is that you can kind of looking back onto it you can kind of see those albums or those artists that really made like coming of age music yeah um and just kind of looking through my my list here i've highlighted female artists that i think uh, i think even just down to kind of penmanship and and how best they kind of articulated those feelings. Um, there are some some rogue ones maybe for me, um, and one that I know you will definitely laugh at. Um, so I know one that you won't laugh at, um, but the album Destiny Fulfilled by Destiny's Child. Yep, um, love that. Yeah, I just one of that. I'd actively say one of my favorite albums of all time. I'd say top fifteen. Yeah, easily. I just think it is like perfection. There's such amazing variety on that album um but for me the highlight is girl that was mm. the first sort of like song that i really paid attention to that was kind of like a back and forth mm. in the verses the had, yeah yeah and obviously there are other songs that do that but that was the first one for me that really stood out and felt like a conversation and it's maybe come up in like the podcast a few times but i do kind of love those songs that feel like a conversation with your friend um so probably that one well it is that one um and then i also have um made of bricks by kate nash which is <laughs> such like anger song fingertips are holding on to the cracks, cracks in my foundation, foundation. Like, what's that what's that meme from ryan that's just like i like avocados and bananas <laughs> like that kind of singing in italics vibe i don't um, know why i would have thought you hated that sort of stuff no, I loved it because I I used to love like Angus Wong's Perfect Snogging, Saint Trinian. Foundation Foundations is a is a class song though. Yeah, um, I I really love this song on it called Nicest Thing, and I just remember it's basically like it's almost like a Little Things by One Direction, like all these kind of 
cute things Aww. in a relationship. Like there's this one line that's just like, I wish that you knew when I asked, uh, I wish that you knew when I asked two sugars, actually I meant free. Like just little. I cute... think I remember that song actually. Now you said that. Yeah. There's that one line. Yeah. And I remember this boy sent me the song on MSN and I was literally just so gassed. So like, oh my God, that is the cutest thing. I'm actually going to go melt. Um, and I did the same thing for like, like a star by Ty Cruz. Um, I was obsessed with that boy. Um, but yeah, like I just felt like there were so many. Um, it was kind of like teenage angst packaged in the album that wasn't too like punkish or mm. too offensive. It's kind of and it felt very distinct, distinctly British. Um, which I really she got liked. a song called Toothpaste or something like that. Yes, I like that song. Yeah, mm. um, and it's just kind of like it hasn't aged well at all. The album. Um, but it was just so perfect for that time in my life. Then I have, um, it's not really an album, it's like a compilation, lol. Um, but it's Britney Spears' greatest hits, uh, my prerogative. Um, <laughs> I actually, I don't think people understand how much I love Britney Spears. I'm like, surprised, I'm not going to lie, I'm surprised you didn't mention her when I mentioned Christina Aguilera because I was definitely team Christina Aguilera. Were you? Yeah, no, yeah. I love Britney. I still love Britney, like... I was so jealous. My mum went to go see her in Vegas and she came back with like some souvenirs, like one of the big fat cups you get. And I was like, oh my God, like, bitch. <laughs> so upset right now. <laughs> Cause I would, I would have loved to seen her in Vegas. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if she's still touring. No. But, um, Hashtag but free Britney. There's, um, yeah, I just, I just love her. I think she's such a sweetheart. So unproblematic. Um, and there's a song on there that, is probably in like my top 20 songs of all time. Um, it's called Every Time. And mm. it's... I love how you're saying that. Like, <laughs> there's a song there. Like, it's like a really discreet, unknown song. That's a huge... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> there's a really like lesser known track. You might you might have heard it's called Every yeah. Time. It was number one for about three weeks. But... <laughs> <laughs> but I think compared to some of her other songs, like Oops and whatever, mm. like, I just, I think it's not one that maybe springs to mind for Britney, I guess. I I do I remember it being in the chart when I was growing up and I hated it because it was such like a, it's a sad emotional song. song. But I it's, it's a love like it's a lovely song. Ah, who the, there's a remix of it I heard recently and it was so good. Anyway, I don't want to hear that actually because I just love the song so much. And yeah, I think because Britney has like it's kind of like mean to say, but she has quite like a sad life story. Mm. Um and like I even just like recently discovered like she was one of two writers on that song every time. Um, oh, yeah. And me and my mum just both love that song. And like, I think it's probably one of the songs that give you like a real insight into like Britney. Mm. Um, and cause I just like really idolized her growing up. I, I just used to love it. And then this one, I know you're definitely going to laugh at. Um, so I love misunderstood by pink. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not someone to, you know, I won't laugh at other people's choices because people laugh at mine. <laughs> so, um, that, is your, that is your own self, that, that the mirror of yourself has, <laughs> has done that. Um, I do love a bit of pink, I can't even lie to you. Um, again, like, I think that probably started me um, amongst some of the emo songs that, or emo albums that I liked. Um, there was a lot of, again, like teenage angst on the album with like uh, just like a pill and family portrait they are the t- they're literally they are the two songs i was just about to say like again my mum loved them songs <laughs> <laughs> so it could definitely get real insight yeah yeah and so again like they were just maybe like articulating things that i didn't yet have like the vocab to actually self-express and i think as, as we said on earlier episodes like i lean to those songs where 
if I, if I listen to them, I feel like they've articulated a way that I was feeling and then I can just move on. Mm. Uh, so that would maybe be something that I would bang out. Um, but I think just to, to move on to a happier note, um, I think like just talking about like the influence of parents and maybe just some of like the versatility and like both of our um, listening habits is less so like as an adult, um, I, I listen to like dance music, electronic music. Like it's not really something I listen to that much. Like mm. it's funny because my brother, he's gotten like proper into DJing now. Like he absolutely loves it. Like he knows all these different like house genres and lives for it. Whereas now I've maybe fallen out of love of it, maybe just because of like the sheer frequency that I was listening to it as a kid. Um, yeah. But the two main albums for me um, are by Faithless and again like a greatest hits album Forever Faithless I mean you have songs like um, Insomnia and God is a DJ um, and I don't know they just they just felt like um, those albums like I think as well like with dance music and it's probably the first time that I'd actually felt like really like moved by music in like a high energy way mm. that was kind of like I'd never really felt pumped by music before. And so I was like, oh my God, like even, I haven't got it listed here, but I remember I used to be absolutely petrified of the video, uh, Firestarter by Prodigy. Prodigy, yeah. Um, yeah. But like when the song played, I'm like, oh my Firestarter. Like I used to literally love it. And it was just like, that was probably the the first few times that I was just like, oh my God, like I'm getting hyped. (laughs) Um, And then also um, electronic band, M People, bit of a random one. Um, Yeah. What have you done today? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I absolutely love them. Like my dad is like such a huge fan of them. Um, and they have like they're again like greatest hits, like the best of M people. I absolutely love, 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 love um the voice of the the lead female vocalist, Heather Small. I think she's just got yeah. such a unique voice. I just love it. Um I think if you hear an M people song, like you you just instantly you recognise her voice. Yeah. Uh, hence the terrible uh, impression there mm. um, but there's a song on there called don't look any further and um it sounds like really fucking weird yeah but um do you know the song like he lives in you from like, yeah. King, like do i know it yeah. mate you, it's so weird you said that is i was on my hot boat in holiday this year i was playing that song so much he lives in you head out hey, in the bed yeah, he lives in me. Oh, what a banger! But basically, this song "Don't Look Any Further." Like, I feel like if I was making a playlist, I would put those two songs side by side. It sounds like such a freaking like weird comparison. I don't say I'm a DJ, but I'm a DJ. But you'd probably love the playlist. <laughs> so I don't know. I just felt like um, we can do, we can do that on the playlist. We can put them next to each other. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I just love that song because it just gave me that like, Lion King vibes. Um, and just like conscious for time, I guess, but I just, just to go back to my very, very first point, just to list off some of my emo topics, lol. Um, These are my uh, emo rundown. So, very you, can, much like, can you please do it in a emo voice? Okay, so. Coming in at number five. <laughs> so first of all, I have um, Enema of the State by Blink-182. Um, I just love like, <laughs> I just love Blink One Eight Two. Like I actually genuinely <laughs> see them in concert. Not even gonna lie. Um, I love the song "What's My Age Again." Um, it just gives me like major. Um, what's that flipping um, 
movie American Pie gives me like big American Pie vibes, um, and just that kind of like cheeky time and like I don't know you know that you know that kind of like I know exactly what you're trying to get to yeah like just kind of mischievous I wasn't doing it but like you know them kind of films like American Pie like wedding I don't know maybe like wedding crashes I don't know like that kind of like weird time in in film and music where people would wear like long sleeve t-shirts and then a short sleeve t-shirt over the top exactly exactly yeah. like loved it hear that, hear that hear that um and then UK artists I really love the album A Weekend in the City by Block Party um that felt like such I don't know it felt so new to me some of the sounds I was hearing on the album it was quite like like whoa like I was actually a bit like taken aback by some of the sounds I was hearing it felt quite experimental but there's this song on there called I Still Remember and literally it's probably my top 10 favorite songs of all time because the whole song is um the the main singer like talking about like how he still remembers how him and this person like bunked off school for the day and how they like carved their names in like a love heart um on like a tree or a bench where it was and how they like would lay on the grass and look up at the and like one of the lines I could feel your heart beat across the across the grass and just like um it just reminds me of like teenage love and like whenever I felt like I was like in love as a teenager I would just listen to that and it would just make me feel like I think, you know how we say, like, I can't wait to experience the way music talks about that. It's more like, I can't wait to experience how, like, I'm going to feel about a song in the future. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I would, like, I would listen to that song and be like, I can't wait to feel this feeling that this music's telling me about. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so I just absolutely love it. I think you'd like like it, actually, the song. Um, And then finally, last but not least, um, I've got arctic monkeys whatever people say and that's what i'm not um which again very much in between his vibes um mm. and i think this kind of like speaks to probably why i went to reading festival in year 11 and year 12 yeah i like arctic monkeys so i think i'm gonna go to reading yeah. <laughs> so thought i was a bit cool like, it's given very much tumblr days um and i just think I remember actually getting ready for the uh, for school in the mornings and my dad would have one of those like shower radios, like the waterproof ones. And I always remember like listening to Radio 1. Um, and I remember like one of the first times that um, you, look, uh, is it, you look good on the dance floor. I, yeah. bet, I bet you look good on the dance floor. Yeah. And I remember that was one of the first times it was played. And I was like, whoa, like it kind of like blew my head top a little bit. I was like, this is like a bit edgy you know like and I think um I then purchased the album and, and I remember like even just the feel of the album physically was like so different like it wasn't plastic it was made out of like it was almost like a book cover mm. and I just remember like just I was like oh this is like this is so different and I just listened to songs like Mardi Balm um and again like in in the same way that I felt about Kate Nash like um I, I feel about Arctic Monkeys, it was almost kind of, uh, they're two completely separate and distinct artists. That's not the point I'm making. But in terms of how <laughs> those like artists made me feel in terms yeah. of like describing teen angst. and it's a, it's a British experience of it as well, I think. Exactly, exactly. That's, I think that's, you're, you're basically explaining what I failed to do. That kind of like British experience of, yeah. of life here, I guess. Um, but those are my albums. Also, just to add, completely random outlier, um, but I've got Michael Jackson's Thriller, I think, 
like surely <clears throat> everyone has that like i don't yeah. know um but then also another outlier is santa gold's self-titled album um which is a bit of like an indie experimental vibe um i just love it just think like i, I actually like re-listened to it the other day and i was like oh my god i'm actually obsessed with it like it probably like artists like santa gold probably um informed my like interest in quite like experimental artists even like i know i'm gonna get an eye roll for this but like azealia banks and mm. artists like that i think that probably dictated my my later choice in some of the female artists that i now like yeah that's my roundup over to you Amanda. um i don't really have t- to be honest like a huge amount of other ones like um i put on again a lot of my albums which i've appreciated and probably i think are quite important to me have been like a lot more recent um and also like i've also then gone back and listened to albums that have then become really important so like say for example uh, i've mentioned before like miseducation of lauren hill um feels like a really important album to me and because i don't know it, it just I, I, I've got such an appreciation for it. But again, that was something which I listened to retrospectively rather than it being anywhere near my childhood or anything like that. I remember seeing X Factor on the TV growing up um, and I remember seeing also the video for Do Wop um, and then loving them songs then, but not really playing too much too much mind mm-hmm. for the album. But I've then retrospectively gone to listen to that. I also did have Destiny's Fulfilled um, on my list. And again, that's something which I listen, I've listened to retrospectively and more recently and had an appreciation for the album and especially because when I was research I was researching the album um because I get quite geeky like that whenever I listen to an album from the past I always like look and listen to see if I can understanding of understanding of the sort of like the narrative of it and the whole album is supposed to reflect like the start middle and end of like a relationship of like when you meet someone um and you sort of meet them at a club and it's it, the whole narrative is like obvious. i literally never knew that yeah listen back to the album now and it's like like through with love and all that sort of stuff like and if like because it's all about like that's like relationship... Loki made my day i'm actually honestly it's you told me that <laughs> when you now listen to it you'll have a complete different relationship because obviously they've got stuff like lose my breath and soldier at the sort of earlier start of the the, the album but once it actually gets into it it's like the forming a relationship and you fall in love but then there's problems and there's this this and this and the whole narrative like creates that sort of there's a whole narrative to it which again Mm. made me really appreciate it and I've got a real thing for like narratives and albums which I've sort of mentioned before and again I feel like my other ones which I would mention are going to feel very um quite obvious to me (laughs) quite obvious um the narrative Well, going going with the narrative one, it's a very, 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 very recent album. So I don't know how much it can exist as like a one that changed my life. But I think um, Psychodrama by Dave, um, the narrative and the storyline throughout that, in a way, um, I really like. And I get, again, I enjoy this the skits in that um, album. Then this obviously because it's not like albums which are my favorite albums of all time, but um watch the throne will forever be so important for me as well um have to have that on there yeah it will be of course you anyone who listens to us knows that Mm. is going to be on both of us (laughs) because for me again i loved like i fell in love even more so i think that album 
was an album that made me fall in love with the talent of hip hop in hip hop and do you class that as a childhood or adult album do you think that was my teenage though that was like i was like 15 16 when that came out i'm pretty sure yeah i think for me i sort of like class it as like on the cusp of adulthood because i think i was like 17 well you couldn't have been 17 you was like... it's 2011 so we would have been 16 17 okay yeah that makes sense i can't be 15 so 16 yeah but yeah because yeah. <laughs> yeah, i think basically i'm like born in september but like the year prior to taylor so i'm yeah. like 11 months older so like our ages are always a little bit off <laughs> yeah. um so yeah no um that for me is i i, I, I it just made me really love hip hop. And I think I then went back to, because I enjoyed Kanye and Jay-Z at that level at quite a surface level. And it's that tour and that that album um, that made me, that sort of confirmed my love for them. And then I sort of went back and listened to a lot of their earlier stuff. And I don't know, that just for me, it was a, a real turning point because they are two artists, which I hold so closely yeah. in my Did- sort of it's funny how like we both listed that album but the reason i listed it is for slightly different reasons to you like how we both come to that like agreement is is interesting so like the reason i've left off like some of kanye's albums and jay-z's albums is because i feel like watch the throne has kind of like led me to that point like yeah all the kind of earlier albums, whatever, I just feel like to, to summarise why they are the great artists that they are, like Watch the Throne is the best like product of that or the yeah. best showcase of that. Um, so in a way, like I, I was tempted to put down some of like Kanye's albums. Like, um, is it um, Graduation? Like I used to really love Graduation growing up. I used to play it all the time. Um, and I was like, mm, should I put it down? And I was like, no, let me leave it for Watch the Throne because mm. all the things that I like about those artists are then captured best. In in that, yeah, completely. So rather, so rather than like, in a way, like just offering like duplicates. Yeah. You get me? Like, I just yeah. thought, let me put down Watch the Throne. Completely agree. Um, and like Otis will forever be one of my, it, it, Otis is a perfect example of why I love hip hop and like rap music, like straight up. Um, and you know, sampling, that's like a great Yeah, example. it just, it, everything about it is just like perfect. It captures everything, like the back and forth and the witty bars, like sophisticated ignorance, write my curses in cursive is right. one of my favourite lines, like f- forever. Like I, you, For the longest time, yeah. Like, and the, the maddest thing is, I actually write in cursive mm. and I didn't understand that line for so long. I, until, until I actually like googled it, being, and I was like, oh. being being a ne- being a neaky little graphic designer, like I for he- forever have wanted um my so what I'm what I'm planning to do once I get my own place. This is like this is won't won't be for a few years. Is like a lot of my friends are graphic design, so I'm going to get them to design my favorite quotes, my favorite music quotes as like wall art, so I can have them in my house. Yeah. Um, and sophisticated ignorance, right? My cursive and cursive, obviously, is talk about like typography and stuff like that. And I just, I just, I love it so much. Um, just like one of my favorite bars ever. Um, other ones which are really obvious, and you're probably gonna be like a shock. Um, Nothing was the same by Drake. Um, was so formative and important to me as like an adult. I, that as very early adult, 
I listened to that album going to uni, um, literally en route in the car. Um, and again, I, th- I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast or if I've said this like offline, but I think the reason why I've got such a resonance with Drake is that he's, I see, I saw so much of myself at that stage um, in him. Like he's quite an emotional mixed race, like singer rapper sort of thing. He's sort of like, so I don't know. He's, he's one artist that I just had a real sort of affinity to and nothing was the same was the first album, which like take care. I loved and was it, I was still a huge fan of Drake then, but I think that was the album, which will always remind me of like the happiest time of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my happiest time of my life so far, at least with uni. Um, and I just think, yeah, I just think it's great. And it, I saw it, I saw it on tour and I loved it. Um, it really, it was a time where like me, my brother and my sister were really incredibly close, even though we've always been quite close, but it was a time when we were all really close. We saw that concert live together. Um, so yeah, that will always be really, really important to me. Uh, yeah. I think, I think it's interesting, like you say about like seeing yourself in Drake, because you can have someone who like physically resembles what you look like, but to also be able to identify on the emotional level is like, is actually quite a rare thing. Yeah, and I think I'm trying to think like, don't get me wrong. There's like a, a fucking abundance of like white women in music. Like, <laughs> not the point I'm making, but to, to have like so many things ticked off on your checklist of like. Yeah. I think I think like um, there's been an article about him which we'll share on the podcast on the Twitter Safe Sub podcast uh, Twitter, um, which was a bit like the reason why he's like Drake's not making music for me anymore. There's like an there's an, like an article about that um okay, interesting and this this guy's talking about how back in the day he resembled it because he was he's a little bit older than me sort of thing. i think he might be like five six years my senior the person who wrote this article and he's saying like back when i was 20 21 or like 22 23 whatever and he was making music like the motto and stuff like that i could really resonate with it because that was the sort of vibe i'm on but now i'm a dad and now i'm a parent he doesn't make the same music for me now and i think that's probably mm-hmm. similar to why i don't have the in when Drake does all his sort of stuff, which is very similar, more down to the, the drill sort of side, like I have no relationship with that because that's just not that's not the life that I live sort of thing. So <laughs> so I don't resonate with it. Whereas um a lot of other stuff when Drake's talking about like emotions and how he feels and um his views and I think um in Take Care he was like, I told my story, it made his it made his story. And there's just little lines like that which is and um oh, what's there's a line in um nothing was the same which is basically yeah basically it's like it's like i'm doing it for everyone i can't i can't record off the top of my head um but there's like a whole line about like i'm telling it for like my sort of story and it's but i know that so many people relate to it as well i can't remember that's gonna really bug me i was was supposed to write this down as a note um you probably thought oh i know it's fine yeah fuck that's so annoying um the pressure the pressure um (laughs) So yeah, that's just such an important album to me, um, as anyone could imagine. And then the final one, which I think worth pointing out, which I really enjoyed um, and have continued to listen to, and I think for me is like an album of no skips. And again, is a good, I think is a good encapsulation of everything which I like in music, is Controlled by Scissor. Um, 
based on the sense of it's the sort of storytelling narrative in it. There's like a vulnerability of it. It's the uniqueness of her voice. Um, and I think it's an album which I remember hearing Drew Barrymore and I was like, oh, I've got to check this artist out and he's listened to the album. And I remember just, it's one of the, one of the only albums which I remember being in love with from the moment I heard it. Whereas other things have taken a few plays for me to really get into. Um, I don't know necessarily how it's changed my life, but <laughs> I just feel like it's one of my favourite albums of all time and it just feels so... It's, it's It feels like a safety blanket for me of, like, yeah. adult years. Um, and again, I think it talks about... It talks about... Um, I think I've got a, re- a resonance with it because it talks about sort of, like, the side... Being, like, not like a side chick. I'm not saying that I'm ever a side man or anything like that, but, like... <laughs> But it talks about it talks about love in such like an in, in such an unsuccessful way, and I think yeah. and I think about the time where and it's like the 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 adoration and wanting love and that sort of feeling of wanting to understand identity and um, and wanting to understand the people around her. And I actually love that. I I love this point you're making. I can't even and, lie. And how and how and I think at the time when it came out and especially growing up in the past three years three four years since it has felt very relevant to me mm-hmm. as a person it feels very much like of the age and I think the last song's called like 20 something or whatever um and it's about the thing like you're not supposed to have everything figured out by this point mm-hmm. um so yeah I think that is for me is an album which I feel is just so important for me and I think will be one of them albums again it's kind of like a cult classic but it's kind of not because it's so well acclaimed but um yeah it's just super important yeah like literally you led me right into the point i wanted to make which is amazing um so in my notes here i literally have the subheading womanhood yeah and how the albums that i've like listed going into like adulthood womanhood that's literally the first one scissor control and then i've put in brackets 20 something (laughs) which is like super spooky and shows we are more in tune with each other than we mm-hmm. sometimes appear on the podcast um <laughs> and yeah I think as well like it's I was just like noting then as you were speaking like the sort the cutoffs I was maybe using like for childhood and adulthood and I don't know if that's just like a female thing because like the I think sometimes the way that like women see themselves as like maturing maybe earlier than men like mm. um because for example, like weirdly, I've put Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City, in like the kind of border between childhood and adulthood, even though that very much came out in year twelve. But like when I look back on myself, like then I very much saw myself as an adult. Then, if yeah. that makes sense, yeah. So I, I would kind of like classify it as an adult album because yeah. that's the way like I literally saw myself um so yeah I don't know and even like with Drake like my Drake album that changed my life was Thank Me Later but it's probably an album that I've come to like appreciate more as an adult yeah so like I've written down here like there's albums that with the benefit of hindsight and life experience that they they offer and just shed a completely different light and an appreciation for them um and i think thank, thank me later is is that drake album for me where 
like not even necessarily with a re-listen but when I think back to the times I was listening to that album as a teenager I'm like like I actually now can piece together the puzzles of like how that came to to form me and my identity and like my appreciation for like hip-hop in that way yeah I mean so like it's transformed my adulthood in the sense that when I've been doing self-reflection that I can like understand why I'm the way I am, if you get what I mean. Yeah, completely. Um, I mean, even just like under the umbrella of like womanhood, um, this is probably where I become like more bait. So I've got like Rihanna's Auntie, Janae mm-hmm. Aiko, Sail Out, and then Beyonce's self-titled album. And like I was, when I was looking at the list, I was almost surprised at myself for not putting Dangerously in Love as like one of the childhood albums because I used to rinse that so much. I just remember like staring at the album cover, her yeah. in that kind of like diamond crop yeah. top thing. And like, oh my God, that is literally incredible. Like obsessed. Um, I was just- Again, I, an album an album my mum bought for me. <laughs> yeah, like it, it was just a great album. But I think for the first time, like I think as well, it was quite- a formative album for Beyonce because it was exploring her sexuality in a way yeah. that we hadn't really seen her do. And like in, in the same way as you're coming into your like womanhood and adulthood, you're also kind of doing the same thing. Um, and so that was kind of like, I felt like that album came out at the perfect time as like, you know, you're ascending into adulthood and kind of discovering who you are. Um, it felt like absolutely like just perfect timing, um, which probably like also informs like my choices of like female rap albums i've got listed here um megan the stallion's tina snow Mm. album and i think that's probably the only megan the stallion well ep that i have every single song saved (laughs) like interesting yeah i actually love it um and again just kind of plays into that whole womanhood sexuality thing and then of course i have um the impeccable a seat at the table by solange i think cranes in the sky is probably one of the greatest songs this millennia like not even joking i think i think it's an absolute masterpiece and then i've got ari lennox's shea butter baby anyone who's like a listener of the podcast knows that i love like the whole international vibe lol um it's probably so boring to you all to hear it again and again um but over like i say maybe the last four to five years i've like made more of an effort to kind of push the boundaries of like what I'm listening to um and I think just really like examine some of the influences you see in the genres that I listen to more frequently so like like ages and ages ago I got really into um seeing like where samples came from and there's like a bunch of like YouTube channels where like who sampled and songs and samples who's songs and samples on Twitter is class that's a, that's a great account i literally um, love it and then who sampled the website is like they are two of my favorite i'm exactly yeah. i'm the exact same geek as you. do you know what the other day i was listening to um a bugsy malone track mm-hmm. um men three i think and i was and I, and I literally stopped her. i was like i saw my little brother and i was like stop stop the stop the play and i had to work out the sample and i got it without checking anything i got it literally it was um with it's got three with love by Destiny child on it Oh seriously? Yeah, listen to it. Like, oh my God. Doing it, doing it. Listen to it, and then you'll be like, "Raw, you won't realize it." But I was like, "I know the sample." <laughs> that's jokes. I'm imagining you like doing that so raven like. I don't know. I'm literally I'm the worst. <laughs> I stop music. And I'm literally I'm, if I hear a sample, so I'm like, no, I need to get this to myself. And I'm like, I'm trying. Like you know, the, the, um, the last episode with Manilia, 
Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which was actually, which we didn't actually conclude. It was Lloyd um, and Little Wayne Yu, but still. Um, Great song, by the way. Uh, but yeah, it's it's one of them ones where I, I need to get it because otherwise it agitates me. So I understand why. Yeah. You're so like when I was on this like path of discovery with like song samples, um, I, I was just finding that a lot of the songs, like even like Michael Jackson, were informed or like were inspired by Afrobeats. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of like led me on the path to kind of like discovering, you know, like your Burner Boys and some of the other like smaller artists. But the following enough, like it's an, it's an album that was released in 2020, but I can already tell like the impact it's had on me um, because like, as I've mentioned before, like I haven't necessarily chosen the first albums that maybe changed my perception of a genre, but rather best like encapsulate encapsulates that journey that's led me to that if you get Mm -hmm. what I mean like it is like the the best like craftsmanship of that genre Mm -hmm. I guess um and that's Made in Lagos by Wizkid like I just think out of all the kind of like inspiration I've seen of like afro beats and, and also just kind of like I think even just the the forward looking nature of the sound I think like Wizkid, he he's like taken the perfect balance of like inspiration from like earlier Afro beats, and he's also like pushing the sound forward in a way that feels like just the perfect balance between the two. Um, and even just like um, to talk about songs from like the African songs or like genres from the African continent, um, I've been to in my travels. I've I've gone to South Africa twice, and it wasn't ever really like a country that I knew much about musically um in fact i knew like absolutely nothing um and i think just in the last few years like just be i think that and that's like the beautiful thing about traveling like obviously it's nice to get like your little instagram shots and whatever um but it's when you genuinely like experience a culture for the first time and it opens up a completely different world to you um and you know going to south africa like completely opened up um some of those genres there like south african house and, and whatever but there's an album um by so- sunel musician i'm not sure the exact pronunciation but it's called africa to the world um and it's just like the perfect blend of these like south african music genres that i've come to like now love and i did um well i did a little vlog basically um of my time in south africa last christmas and i used one of the songs for like the soundtrack and it was just like perfect like us pulling up in cape town and like all the, the things we got up to then it, it just like holds a, a definite like special place in my heart um for that for sure but i think just the two rogue ones that i'm not really sure where to place them um are settled by disclosure mm-hmm. um yep. just you know i think we actually said like dance that, electronic yeah and then i've got the 1975 um the album title so freaking long i like it when you're asleep but you look so beautiful beautiful yet so unaware or whatever it is Mm. um just because like that album was great i was listening to it after like a breakup and it just just spoke to me and it like 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 you said earlier like albums or songs that are your comfort blanket i think that that album's a comfort blanket for me. Yeah, so that's 
that's our little lowdown, really. I think that was quite like I don't know if the right word's cathartic, but yeah, it feels like memory lane. That it feels like yeah. a lot of a lot of stories. A lot mm-hmm. of um, yeah, thank you so much for sticking out the episodes. Um, hope you've enjoyed it as per usual. Um, hopefully, you have got some more exciting stuff coming up. We've got a few guests um, that should be coming on the podcast in the next couple of weeks as well, which we're really super excited about. Um, but yeah, as always, just get involved on our socials at Safe and Sound Pod on Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook. And, you know, with everything going on, hope everyone is, is keeping well, staying safe. Um, and we love to to keep you company in in the in the way that we know how to, essentially. Yeah. Everyone stay safe, be good. Follow the rules. <laughs> <laughs> Follow the rules. Right, cool. Love. Take care. Bye. Bye bye.